Hello and welcome to the Relationship Breakthrough Show from Aligned With Love. I'm Matt. And I am Rebecca. This is the place for people to have a magical, loving, intimate relationship. Thanks for joining us. Now let's get started. What do we mean by attachment styles and how do they affect our relationships? Could it be that a challenge or challenges that we're experiencing or maybe even having experienced them several times are connected to our attachment style or maybe that of our partner? What are the five breakthroughs that we can understand relating to attachment styles that can lead to lead us to help to have success in our relationships rather than just more frustration again and again? Today, we're joined by Sammy Reed Cleaver, who is a relationship coach and attachment specialist, originally from Wales, which is exciting, um, based now in Thailand, the founder of the Relationship Rehab, who works with individuals to heal particularly insecure attachment patterns that come up in relationships and learning to become more secure in themselves. So firstly, Sammy, warm welcome and great to have you with us today. Thank you very much. It's lovely to be here. Very excited to dive into this. Fantastic. So let's jump in uh, right away. Um, So for people that aren't familiar with this term or idea, or maybe for even people that are, let's remind ourselves, what do we mean by attachment styles, please? Mm. Yes. So this is a theory that was created by a man called John Bowlby in the 1970s. And what he found was that children all had a different attachment style depending on their childhood. And the study, the research that he did basically where he put a child in the room and he observed how they reacted when their parent left the room. And that then defined what attachment style they have with their parent. So an anxious child would be screaming the roof down and can't wait for the parent to come back. And when the parent does come back, the child is quite angry at the parent. So that's what he would have as an anxious attachment style. That child is not settled until the parent comes back. Avoidant attachment style is completely the opposite. So they're indifferent to the fact that their parent has left the room and they don't show any emotion when the parent comes back in. And then secure attachment style is a child that is a a little bit upset when the parent leaves, but they're able to soothe themselves and carry on playing with their toys. So this was the original research that was done by John Bowlby. And over time, a lot of other researchers built upon that work, and we started to see how it was actually affecting our adult relationships. So we actually carried our attachment styles from when we were children into our adult relationships. And how insecure attachment style is formed is when our needs are not being consistently met so as a child we have a need for love attention safety and we're not able to give that to ourselves as children so when we don't get that from our parents we then adopt coping mechanisms in order to be in survival mode in order to deal with that so the anxious would do more clinginess more needy behavior in order to get what they need an avoidant would build a barrier around themselves and protect themselves because they cannot not trust their parent to give them what they need. So this is how insecure attachment style is formed. And the population, you know, there's more of the population with insecure attachment style than we realize because it also changes as well as we develop relationships as adults. So yeah, it's a very complex topic, but that is what it is in a nutshell. See, thank you for explaining and clarifying, Sammy. What I'm hearing is that there are patterns that we learn, particularly growing up, that then feed through into our adult relationships is saying this is something that if we're having a challenge that it could be worth exploring 
that some of these patterns that we've learned maybe from a long time ago are still somehow playing out. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Correct. It is. It's the way that I describe it is a little bit like an old record player on repeat. So the way that we program, the way that we see the world and we show up in the world is really based off of our experiences as a child. So when we're feeling a threat in our relationship, whether it's in conflict with our partner, they think they're going to leave us or whatever it may be, we are reacting to that threat based off of the way that we experienced it in our childhood. So it's interesting when you really start to look at your patterns, it really is that inner child coming out of how it coped when this came about in their childhood. So this is why, you know, some we're all like little children running around really. And sometimes we'll say to our partner, stop behaving like a child, because we are a lot of the times. So like an anxious would be very clingy and needy. And then the avoidant would be very silent treatment and cold and not talking to you so it's very interesting when we start to explore how that's playing out in our relationships so it's such a great point because a lot of the time we we look at ourselves as grown up don't we say so, well we're we're adult <laughs> we're fully formed we're mature we've got money and responsibilities but that mm. doesn't mean that we've completely let go or recovered from some of these patterns that we may have had from like a very long time ago and um, yeah. you mentioned the word like coping mechanism earlier, you know, if we're struggling, give us some examples of the kind of coping mechanisms that people most commonly adopt. Mm, yeah. So I'll start with more anxiously attached people. So some of the coping mecha mechanisms that they may adopt when in relationship and feeling threatened is what we call protest behavior. So this may look like consistent calling and texting of their partner because they're really needing that close proximity. They're really needing that reassurance that their partner is still there. So it may show up in that way. It may show up in the form of jealousy. I know for me, this is something that I used to do quite a bit. If I, I believe that my my partner couldn't love me. I had this real firm belief that I wasn't lovable or worthy. So when he would say to me, like, I love you, I want to be with you. It was almost like on a subconscious level, I didn't believe it. So I would then test his love. I would make him jealous in order to get that reaction. So more anxiously attached people do more protest behavior. And more avoidant, the way that they cope is through space. So that's their biggest need. And the way they cope with that is stonewalling. So they may give you the silent treatment in order to get what they need or in order to push you away because maybe they're not trusting what you're saying or what you're doing. Or they they may lash out and then and then kind of go lash out, meaning display some anger. And the thing with avoidance, when they are emotionally reactive in that way, they're immediately thinking that they are bad. So then they will retreat and withdraw. So they are like the biggest coping mechanisms we see with mostly anxious and avoidant. See, thank you for explaining that. And it's I think what you shared already, Sam, is really important for people to just note, because a lot of the time when we're struggling, our partner might be doing some of these behaviours that you're talking about, let's say getting angry. And then we're saying, well, why can't they just stop being angry? But and that mm -hmm. does make sense in a way that, that feels like a completely rational thing to say. But what you're saying is there's something else going on here. There's another factor underlying, which is driving that. And that's really yeah. well, it's just a different way of understanding, isn't it? 
Absolutely. Yeah. And we hear a lot of the times in relationships like, oh, she's she's acting out in this way and I just don't get it. I don't understand why. And like, of course, I love her. Why does she need me to keep reminding her all the time? So but especially in anxious and avoidant relationships or with different attachment styles, it can be very difficult to understand what the other person is going through because you may not necessarily be feeling that type of way or wanting to behave in that in that manner. So when we take anger, for example, I'm not an angry person. So if I saw someone getting angry, it's so easy to be like, where did this come from? Like, I'm no, like, I'm not, I'm not okay with that. Rather than really getting curious as to why they are, cope, you know, why that coping mechanism is coming up. See, yeah, it makes sense, Sammy. Thank you. And I was going to ask too, that, you know, there are so many different theories, aren't there, around relationships and different research and, well, so much has been written and said about relationships. But I wanted to ask Sammy, in terms of this theory around attachment that I know you're so passionate about, was there a certain moment when this just like you realised this was it? This was like for you one of the key aspects. Yeah, I'd love mm. to hear what you what your story was into that. Yes. Okay. So you're right. There's so many theories. There's so many things. Like relationships are probably the most complex thing on planet Earth, and. I remember being into love languages and and all that stuff as well. And something was just not hitting the mark for me. And I knew of attachment style from my social work days, but it was mostly with child and parent. So the turning point for me was I was in the typical anxious and avoidant relationship for eight years when I was living in Wales. And I would say that I was quite codependent. So I knew what the word codependent was, and it was it's so difficult to break out of it. And this went on for eight years. And eventually we did end up separating from the relationship. But what I come to find then in the years ahead was I kept attracting the same type of partner, mostly avoidant and emotionally unavailable and quite manipulative and just causing me to feel very anxious and on edge all the time. And it was something that I thought was normal. And a lot of the media and movies will romanticize these anxious and avoidant relationships and say, well, that's what love is, you know, all the ups and downs and the insane chemistry. And and so I went up ahead thinking it was completely normal. But it, it wasn't until I really dived into more reading and, you know, I got really into relationships. I really had this relationship that I wanted to make it work and I couldn't get him close to me. He kept not texting me back and he kept withdrawing from the relationship. So I was YouTubing everything like how to get him back and how to do this and how to do that. But the danger of doing that is we are then manipulating that other person to react to our behavior that we put on display that is not really from us so I caught myself in these patterns and it wasn't until I started dating someone I would say was predominantly secure the nice guy and he was everything that I wanted on paper and then I thought to myself but I don't feel anything this is a bit meh like, where's the excitement? Where's the drama? Where's the tension? And it, I, it was very interesting. I'm like, how come I'm, I'm physically attracted to this person? 
he ticks all my boxes, yet I don't feel it. So then I really started to get curious. And that's when I came across attachment styles from a piece of information about why we find nice guys boring. And as soon as I figured out what anxious attachment was, everything changed for me. And I completely dived into this type of work. And I really understood what was happening within me. And it took me like about two years to really go back and work through what's been going on in my childhood and why these patterns keep coming up. And it completely changed my life. And I was able to identify now why I was attracting these people, be able to choose consciously not to fall into those patterns and consciously choose something that I really wanted. And over time, the more secure that I got, the more attracted I was to security, secure partners. So as soon as I was able to have established that for myself, I was like, oh, my gosh, I need to like shout this from the rooftops. This is life changing. This can absolutely change people's lives. I went from being an anxious mess to exhausted in relationships, thinking that I will never find someone who would make me feel a certain way. But what I needed to realize was I needed that healing to make myself feel safe and secure before I could get what I wanted on a conscious level. So yeah, absolutely life changing. Such a great story, Sammy. Thanks for for sharing that. And what I heard there was a lot of uh, sincerity, and also the fact that you've like worked on yourself a lot. And it, you know, isn't it true that a lot of the time when we're struggling, it's so easy to just look at the other person and say, "Well, there must be something that they're doing or not doing," or it's kind of about them. But yeah, I love your you know sincerity of saying, "Look, this was about me as well. I was just looking for the wrong things, or I hadn't seen this pattern very clearly." So that's a really mm-hmm. really inspiring story. Um, well done. Um, yeah. I wanted to come on now to our five points. I know we've got these five breakthroughs or insights we wanted to cover around attachment mm. styles or things that we can take from attachment styles. So, yeah, I'd love to hear from you, Sammy. What do you think is the first key point or key breakthrough that we all need to be aware of around attachment styles, please? Yeah. So the way that understanding how attachment styles work can really take you from like I said, being exhausted and frustrated in your relationship to really coming together as partners in harmony and working together to be able to become more secure with each other. And the first point is developing self-awareness. So like I said in my story, it wasn't until I really looked at myself and you're right, I was absolutely blaming them, like calling them all sorts of names. It was all their fault, like nothing wrong with me, I'm fine. And it wasn't until I had that revelation when I was like, wait, I'm the common denominator here. I need to look at myself. So having that self-awareness, the being able to see how maybe you're playing a part in the exhaustion and the frustration and the constant conflict in your relationship and being able to take that personal responsibility as well. Because when we start to gain insight and awareness into our patterns and our behavior, we can then get curious. We can get curious. We can start to see what's triggering us. Is there certain things our partners are saying and doing that's triggering us? Oh, why? That's interesting. Like almost detaching yourself from this, the relationship, detaching yourself and seeing it from another angle. I, I've got, a, I've got a criminology degree and the way that I say this to my clients is you almost become a detective of yourself. You know, remove yourself and start to see 
how you react to what way and what you say in reaction to that. And just get curious, just really start to investigate where those reactions are coming from, because they're coming from somewhere. So that's the first point. That's where you should start when it comes to really understanding how attachment styles can benefit. Fantastic. As you say, that really echoes the point you, you made before about your, I think you've really, from what you described, Sam, you've led by example there and you're looking at your own patterns and yourself and yeah, that that's really really inspiring because it's not easy is it you know when we've been maybe having some difficulties and then that realization that it may not just be about the other person actually there could be something here that i've been maybe slightly contributing to or maybe contributing to in a big way it's not comfortable is it but it kind of requires mm. us to go there if we're going to really have a breakthrough it's the hardest part actually because our ego starts to come in our ego starts to say that no you know we're fine but it's also it's about we're just not able to look at ourselves either. So, mm. yeah, it's definitely the first and the hardest part. And as soon as you get over that hump, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's a journey, but it's definitely a lot easier once you start to lessen the ego a little bit. Easy from that point for sure. Great. Uh, I, I love that, Sammy. So, yeah, let's go on to the second point or the second breakthrough or consideration um, around this area, please. Yeah, so the second point is having empathy and understanding, both for yourself and for your partner. So the more you know and recognize what these different attachment styles look like in a relationship, the more that you're able to develop empathy and compassion towards yourself. Because I know for a lot of my clients, they start to then go into this, what I call shame cycle. As soon as they become aware they're like, oh my gosh, I've sabotaged this relationship. I've done this to hurt my partner. I feel so bad. And then they'll start to blame and shame themselves. So what we really need to cultivate at this point is developing compassion and empathy for yourself that, you know, this is something that has been on repeat from childhood, but also developing empathy and understanding for your partner as well. Because a lot of us believe that everyone is programmed and and showing up in the world exactly like we are but that's not true we're all very unique and individual beings so by understanding the different attachment styles what yours is and what your partner's is it really helps you develop an understanding around their emotional needs and reactions to things and triggers and be able to work together to 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 pull yourself out of these struggles and these triggers that seem to be coming up all the time in relationships. And again, taking a step back and really getting curious about each other. That's the end of that. And it links back to what you said before, Sammy, around ego, doesn't it? I think when we're mm -hmm. like getting too much caught up in our ego, this is when it can be hard to empathize and we just want to be right and to win or to you know, make the other person wrong or something like that. So yeah, I love that, that insight um, as well. Fantastic. So let's go on to the third yeah. point um, around yeah. What's the third breakthrough, please? Yeah. So I, I love what you said. Just one more thing about that, because a lot of people see their relationship a little bit like a battlefield. Like you said, I have to win. I have to be right. I have to have points over you. And it is a letting go of the ego. So your relationship is not a battlefield. It's me and you, not me against you. It's me and you against the problem. So just wanted to throw that in great point i love that sammy too yeah absolutely okay so point three is 
having better communication. So I know for the typically anxiously attached person, communication is not their strong point because it may be riddled with fears of rejection and abandonment if they were to communicate what they need or what, you know, they're thinking or feeling. But it's also an element of just not knowing how to, not knowing how to communicate, not knowing what they need, not knowing how they feel. So this is why a lot of people then fall into the trap of, you should just know what I'm feeling. You're my partner. You should just know. And then we're expecting our partners to be mind readers and psychic. And we're doing this because we don't know ourselves. So point three starts with having better communication with yourself. So constantly asking yourself, how am I feeling? What does anxiety feel like for me? Why am I being triggered like this? And having that inner dialogue with yourself. So then you can go to your partner and have that dialogue with them. A lot of the time we try to have the dialogue with them when we don't know what we're talking about with ourselves, first of all. So it's only when we really start to get that communication with ourselves that we can then talk to our partner about our experiences, about our feelings clearly and with confidence as well, because we've already owned it within ourselves. That's it. So you're saying once you've got this understanding around your attachment styles and how it's playing out and hopefully you've got some empathy and understanding as a as a foundation, you can then have a constructive conversation around it and sort of make sure we're expressing our needs and letting the other person know how we're doing and that things get out in the open. Is that right, Sammy? Yeah, yeah. And not being afraid to have everything out in the open as well, because there's a big fear of rejection and abandonment that anxiously attached people are carrying. So it's really about addressing that as well. So you're able to have those those better conversations. I see. Fantastic. Sounds great. Um, excellent. Well, let's move on to the fourth point. Yeah. So this is one of my favorites. This is what I've called conscious choosing. So when you have a pretty good awareness of the attachment styles and how they show up and what they look like. And also within ourselves, when we know what we're needing and what we're valuing in a relationship, we can then go out there, whether we're in a relationship or whether we're not in a relationship, we can start to assess what is right for us and what isn't. And there's no right or wrong in terms of a collective stance, only what is right for us in that moment. So if you've identified more anxiously attached and you're not quite there on secure attachment yet, you're going to need someone with a bit more understanding and to be able to help you regulate in that moment while you're healing. So it's about being very aware of what you need and then consciously choosing your partner from a space of compatibility over chemistry. A lot of us out there are choosing from chemistry. And we re- we're then a victim of the chemistry that we're feeling, and we call it love. Mm-hmm. Whereas when we start to heal our attachment style and bring everything up to the conscious level, we can then, and that's what I call like awaken, we can then awaken to what's going on within us and within society and consciously choose a partner from that part. It's a great point, Sammy, and I think that links strongly back to your first point around self-awareness, doesn't it? Because if we're not self-aware, then we're probably just getting driven by whatever urges or feelings or chemistry that you're talking about. And then, well, maybe we're going to be super lucky and just stumble on the most perfect fit and everything works great, but maybe we don't. And if we don't, then we could have some issues. And I I love what you're saying. So consciously to 
think about you once we know our own attachment style we can then think well what would be a good match for me what what's going to be what's going to work you know long term for me you know mm -hmm. and as a as a relationship absolutely it's of conscious choosing I, I love that excellent so let's go on to the fifth and final point yes yeah, so I feel like this is the most obvious point it is becoming more secure so developing understanding and awareness and knowledge around attachment styles and applying it to our relationships actually helps us become more secure because it helps us understand our patterns, our triggers, and it leads us then into deeper healing, which could be confident, confidently speaking up for ourselves, setting those boundaries, being able to resolve conflict. So the more connected to ourselves, that we are the better emotional healing that we get for ourselves and also we can then be a safe space for our partner who also may need to heal um, an insecure attachment style and, and know themselves more and be able to regulate themselves better we can then become a safe space for other people so it, it just kind of brings it all together and um yeah and in in the, in the journey as well you just you have higher self-worth you know your value you're able to forgive yourself and previous partners and it really does heal those old wounds and beliefs that we have been carrying from childhood so really uh, what you're saying to bring it together sammy is that working toward be, being more secure is really the antidote to these other patterns um i see so yeah. um and then we can be obviously not in a, not only a better place ourselves but also to support other people around us that may not be so secure is, is that right yeah absolutely yeah and i also see healing insecure attachment style as a spiritual development journey as well because more the more we become conscious of ourselves and our behavior and our relationships the more we become conscious to society and the world around us and the, and a higher higher being as well so really it is a whole awakening experience when we really start to develop these these knowledge and skills and we're able to show up in life better i know a lot of my lot of my clients have also noticed improvements in their career they've had promotions they've had clients come into their business they're able to heal relationships with their family they're able to increase their finances like everything improves it's like a ripple effect why because we're getting to know ourselves we're regulating our nervous system we're able to then confidently step into the world and become our become our higher self as they say so really it's not just about improving your relationships but improving your life overall fantastic and what's not to like about that right um, exactly <laughs> I wanted to ask, though, just on the point of being secure, Sammy, do you have any thoughts on, can you ever be too secure? Um, the reason I say that, I was in a long-term relationship for years and years and years, and it was a disaster. But I just kind mm. of thought, well, we'll work things through eventually. You know, it can't always be this bad. Something will change. Um, just kind of hoping for the best, but just assuming that something good was going to happen. But, um, yeah, so I, I guess if you looked at my style at that point, I would have definitely been secure because I wasn't running away anywhere, and I wasn't really anxious either. I was kind of okay not not happy by any means but I wasn't anxious you know mm. um, but what, what do you think is there any is there any chance of being too secure or how do you see that I love that question because you're right a lot of more securely attached people they will stay in these type of relationships because they want to fight for it 
you know they they don't want to run away and they and they don't have this clingy behavior either they just kind of floating along right and yes I, I feel like there is some way of being too secure as well of just accepting this type of behavior but when we dig a little bit deeper like we are like we've been saying there is something there as to why this person or yourself in the past is accepting the fact that this relationship is where it's at and more of accepting we're doing our best to try and make it work but it's still not working and there is some sort of fear into releasing the relationship and letting it go and a lot of people are like, oh, but I love this person. I just want to be with them. But by doing that, we're not loving ourselves and we're abandoning ourselves and we're telling ourselves, well, this is, this is all it is and I'm just going to settle with this. So, you know, too secure. But again, there is something there that is holding them back from realizing that maybe they are better off somewhere else maybe there is someone more compatible for them out there and being able to make that break from that relationship it's a great point sammy i like the way you, you frame that there was definitely fear uh, for sure because it's like if you didn't have fear or something going on then you wouldn't be there <laughs> it's that simple um, yeah so there's definitely something to explore um, but mm -hmm. it's not exactly anxious that like anxious doesn't feel quite the right word although maybe you could mm. somehow link it um but there's definitely some form of just like delusion maybe that that's the mm -hmm. word that comes to mind for myself anyway and I have come across this a bit with clients as well where we're just sort of hoping for the best and it's not really working but we're just stuck yeah there. So, uh, yeah and it goes back to what we define as love you know like we we say we want to stay with this person we want to be in this relationship because we love them but what is love what do we define as love love is wanting the best for that person so when you ask yourself is being in this relationship for the best for myself and for this person? Are we really showing up with love or are we showing up in fear? It's a great challenge. I love that. Yeah, I love that uh, way of looking at it. Great, great challenge. If anyone resonates with that, then maybe, maybe listening. Um, excellent. Well, yeah, I've really enjoyed the, you know, talking through these points and uh, it's a really fascinating area. And I'm sure all our listeners have got massive value from this, Sammy, already. Um, how can people keep in touch with you if they want to find out more about your work and how, how how you could help them? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to, you know, on your platform as well to talk about this because it is a very complex um, area of relationships as well. So I hope that a lot of people did get value from this. So if you want to find out more about attachment styles or the work that I do, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok. It's the same handle. It's at the.relationship.rehab. So I'm on those platforms. And I also, my website as well is sammyreadcoaching.com. So sammy with S-A-M-I, readcoaching.com. Yeah, that's where you can find me. Amazing. Well, we'll include the links as well uh, on the podcast notes so people can find it there just in case you didn't catch it from, from what you said, Sammy. But um, yeah, so okay. give us a final call to action or a final uh, rallying cry, let's say, for people listening. What what, what should they be taking away from Ooh, okay. Really want to invite people to see if they can detach from their ego. So you may have been listening to this podcast and you may have identified yourself in some of the things that I've been saying. 
or maybe your partner, maybe not so much yourself, but your partner as well. And just take note of them. And like I said, the first point of healing is really self-awareness. So maybe writing down something that came up for you during this conversation or something that's on repeat in your relationship and just write it down and get curious. Like, where can this be coming from? Where, why am I reacting in this way? Why am I so triggered by this? So I really do would love to invite people to just detach and get curious. Start there and the ball is rolling. Okay, that's all for today. Thanks again for joining us. And please remember to subscribe and to leave us a review. Who could you share this episode with that needs to hear this message? Share this episode and remember that the quality of your relationship determines the quality of your life. See you on the next episode.
Okay, that's all for today. Thanks again for joining us. And please remember to subscribe and to leave us a review. Who could you share this episode with that needs to hear this message? Share this episode and remember that the quality of your relationship determines the quality of your life. See you on the next episode.